Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of You Press Play News. My name's Natalia. I'm the news editor. My name's Jillian. I'm the editor-in-chief. I'm Michael. I'm a staff writer and a social media manager. And on today's list of topics, we have new tax holidays for Floridians, public history of LGBTQ discrimination, Biden's new hate crime bill, a fired Associated Press journalist, and ceasefire in Gaza. So on May 21st, Governor Ron DeSantis signed the HB 7061 bill, creating three new sales tax holidays for Florida residents. So these tax holidays basically mean that individuals can make certain purchases without sales tax going on to their purchases. Uh, the closest of the three begins on May 28th and lasts through June 6th. During this holiday, residents can make purchases on disaster preparedness items so that they're ready for the upcoming hurricane season, which starts on June 1st. Sales tax will be waived on gas tanks, batteries, and portable radios that cost $50 or less, tarps that cost $100 or less, reusable ice packs that cost $20 or less, non-electric coolers that cost $60 or less, and portable generators that cost $1,000 or less. The second tax holiday that DeSantis created, he's calling Freedom Week, <laughs> and lasts from July 1st through the 7th. Uh, during this week, residents can purchase tickets to museums, sporting events, concerts, or other cultural and recreational events that are scheduled before the end of the year. Uh, during the press conference for this bill, DeSantis said, we're proud of being open and we want taxpayers to be able to benefit if they're participating in all of these things. No state has had more events than we've had over the past year. So basically this Freedom Week is to celebrate how quote unquote free Florida has been during the pandemic. Um, and so the final one, the back to school sales tax holiday will last from July 31st through August 9th. Clothing that costs $60 or less, school supplies that cost $15 or less, and the first $1,000 of personal computer purchases will all be tax exempt during this period. So um, I actually think this is cool for hurricane preparedness and things like that. Um, the, the Freedom Week one is cool as well. If, if, if things are, uh, if more people are vaxxed and stuff like that, that'd be a good time to go to a baseball game or a museum or something if someone's comfortable with that. But that's so far away right now. And, and I don't know if we're going to trend back upward with the virus or whatever. I can see this like being really stupid if, 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 if it does. But uh, in general, I'm, I'm cool with, um, I, I like this with being able to get people to spend some money, um, get into the pump some money into the economy, get your hurricane supplies for a little cheaper and stuff like that. Because when you're buying a bunch of stuff in bulk, the tax adds up. So uh, I'm cool with that, and um, I don't know that I'll be going to any museums or, or baseball games, but um, judging from my trips to Publix and Walmart this week and stuff, I'm sure a lot of people will be taking advantage of this, um, and, and we'll see how safe it is then, too. I mean, we're talking about two months from now, so um, hopefully everything, cases stay down and stuff like that, and maybe we can enjoy stuff like that without worrying, but um, I, I really like the Freedom Week name of this because it's like blatant pandering. Um, during the week of July 4th as well. Uh, that's, that's my final thought on that. Yeah, so I also like the fact that they're doing um, the sales tax off for hurricane supplies because that, you know, June 1st is hurricane season. It is the start of hurricane season. So, and we all know hurricane supplies can cost like so much money. So I think the sales tax elimination all that would be very great just to get people prepared especially for stuff like generators um 
like if anybody has like shutters that aren't working it would be a great time to kind of like get new ones and stuff like that because we never know we may or may not get hit with any type of storm but it's always good to be prepared and freedom week of course at first when i heard freedom week i was kind of like is this like a good thing to be naming it freedom week but then once i saw it was like july 4th i was like oh that kind of makes sense it's like independence day so i do think it's a really good idea that they're trying to eliminate the sales tax on certain purchases especially like concert tickets since we know a lot of concerts did get canceled pushed back kind of rescheduled from last year and yeah and i'm also excited for back to school supplies so yeah <laughs> This next section discusses transphobia and has some graphic language, so if that disturbs you, please feel free to skip ahead to the 12-minute mark. This week, South Florida Gay News ran an article on Publix's history of anti-LGBTQ incidents and shared the stories of two individuals who claimed to have faced harassment. Juan Pastron worked at a public store in Miami and filed a complaint in 2017. He alleges that staff at the Miami store where he worked would call him gay slurs in English and in Spanish, posted a photo in the lounge of an overweight woman with his name written on it, asked when he gets his period and the size of his bra, and was told to act more like a man instead of a bitch. Allegedly, HR did nothing about the abuse. He also filed uh, other discrimination suits, um, and his work environment just got increasingly hostile as a result. Soon after the suits that he filed, he was suspended without pay. Kevin Witter is a transgender female who worked at Publix, also in the Miami area. She filed a complaint in 2020 and says that even though her supervisors knew her gender identity, she was still told to cut her hair and wear a men's uniform. Uh, quoting now from the article, she was told she could not use the women's restroom because you look like a man and you are a man. Her colleagues bullied her, called her he, she, and shim making inappropriate comments about her body, grabbing or rubbing her butt, showing her pictures of penises and told her to wear a compression top saying, why can't you be like other gay people here, be gay and keep it to yourself. She reported all of this to her supervisors, but allegedly no action was taken. Mediation for the case is scheduled later in June. In 2018, Publix refused to fill a prescription for an HIV medication, um, though after a public outrage, they did begin to cover this medication. Uh, it's also important to note that Publix has a zero on the Human Rights Campaign's annual corporate equality index. Uh, now, this report evaluates and ranks companies based on how their policies impact LGBTQ employees. They have a zero every year because they have refused to fill out the survey. Um, Publix stated that the reason for not filling out the the survey is that they have an influx of requests, um, though the article I read pointed out that there are a lot of companies, particularly grocery stores of similar sizes, who do manage to fill out the survey. Their spokesperson noted that in five states where they have stores, gay marriage is not legal and that we follow all the laws in, in the cities and states where we operate. And I thought that was really interesting at first because I was like, we had that Supreme Court case. How is that even possible that we have states without gay marriage? And I am really blown away because I looked it up and I can't believe that I didn't know about this. <laughs> Maybe it was common knowledge. Um, but in some states, particularly South Carolina, um, this one that I read more about, they have like these workarounds to basically keep keep gay marriage as like illegitimate in the eyes of the state. And um, I also don't know what that has to do with publics or their rules there. But yeah, the, in South Carolina, they did this thing where basically they 
called like being pro-gay marriage or being accepting of gay marriage basically secular humanism uh, which is like a atheistic religion and so they said that because it would be secular humanism they can't make it legal within the state as that would be mixing church with state because you have to have faith that being gay is um genetic as opposed to a choice <laughs> is their argument for that which i thought I, I i can't believe i didn't know know about that i didn't know that about that julia i did not know that certain states could go against that um about against like gay marriage and stuff i thought that was something like you know every single state should be allowed to do that um i didn't know there was like any type of denial that could happen with that um but the fact that this is happening at Publix, like we all see Publix, like Publix is like one of the, I think, top 10 like companies to work in in the state of Florida. So the fact that this is happening, I think also just kind of shows, kind of shines a light on stuff that, you know, like you may think this company is all, all great and stuff like that, but there's stuff that's happening behind the scenes that we don't know. And um, yeah, the fact that, the fact that you have people that are willing to basically tell someone you're not welcome or to do something against their, what they feel like in a workplace environment, number one, where you're there more than you're there you're practically your whole day. I think that's just saddening, to be honest. Yeah, what I thought was interesting, right, because they're using, they use this, like, you know, in some of the states that we operate in, gay marriage isn't legal, as kind of like, like their statement on, part of their statement on the matter, right? And I guess I just don't understand how the legality of gay marriage translate to the respect between employees. Like, even if you are operating in South Carolina, where gay marriage is, you know, like a sham marriage, what does that have to do with how your employees are treated in the workplace? You know, um, I just don't see how that translates. Um, something I found interesting about this. I, I also didn't know that, um, that states could not follow the, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, gay marriage is legal in America. That's the end of it. So I, I'll have to read about that because that's, I didn't know that. Um, but something that's interesting while, um, while you were reading about this topic, I, I searched up on Google a little bit about, you know, the history of Publix and, and gay discrimination. And, and it's not just this South Florida gay news articles. On the first two pages of Google, you can find a bunch of articles from a bunch of different papers. As early, this one I saw, there's one as early as 2014, alleging that uh, gay workers were mistreated at Publix's. Um, and I didn't read all these, so that's, I'm sure it's in a bunch of states, not just Florida, up through the Carolinas and Georgia and stuff, I'm sure as well. But um, so I do think that that's super problematic because it seems like a trend, and and I don't I don't buy their excuse that they don't fill out the survey because they get too many surveys. A, a lot of places like to fill out these surveys because it's free publicity. You get put on as you know when they do the survey, they say, oh, uh, you know, so and so is an equitable place to work that gives you you know good pay and good health insurance, and they don't discriminate. Like, I don't buy their excuse for that, and it seems like it's a. I'll have to read some of these uh, articles later, but it seems like it's a trend which is uh, problematic and troublesome to say the least.
So this past week on Thursday, May 20th, President Biden signed the COVID-19 hate crimes bill into a law. Now this specific bill has an emphasis on the increase in violence against the Asian American community. The legislation that was introduced by Representative Grace Ming of New York and Senator Maisie Hirone of Hawaii aims to make reporting hate crimes more accessible to the local and state levels by boosting public outreach and ensuring reporting resources are available online in multiple language. The bill also aims at directing the Department of Justice to designate a point person to expedite the review of hate crimes in relation to COVID-19. Also included is authorizing grants to state and local governments to conduct crime reduction programs to prevent and respond to hate crimes. And I thought this was a very good bill that, that Biden signed. I was ecstatic when I heard that they signed this bill because we all know Asian Americans in the United States and around the world have been facing tremendous amount of attacks on their community and themselves. And um, when I was, I actually wrote an article about um, students and teachers and like what they thought about um, like Asian students and Asian uh, teachers and what they thought about this. And it was very, it was very eye-opening to hear about the experiences that I knew about, but like I wasn't so knowledge about on and the stuff that happened. Um, so if you want to read the article, it's up on the UPress play, um, upressonline.com um, and go read it. Um, but besides that, I was very happy that they passed this. Yeah, uh, I think we need more stuff like this. Uh, I, I saw something that like um, crimes against Asian Americans uh, went up exponentially since COVID-19 happened. And uh, it's so stupid. Uh, and, and it's, you know, you need to do something about it. Um, I do think that a lot of times that um, I feel like a lot of times society ignores, uh, American society ignores racism against Asians for some reason, where it's like, it seems like it doesn't get the attention it deserves because it existed before this. And, um, and, and I've, I've heard, you know, Asian public figures and stuff say that, that a lot of times it, that it doesn't get um, the attention that it deserves. So anything that makes, um, brings more of this stuff to light and stuff, but um, I, I don't know, what you can do to stop it though from, from the root because clearly these people are pretty crazy and radicalized and stuff like that. And it seems like a lot of these attacks on Asian Americans aren't like, just like a, um, a lot of them aren't like a political thing. They seem to just be like, I, some of them I've seen are just someone on the street just attacking someone, which I think makes them more scary than if, even if someone was like doing it for because a, the politician told them to or whatever. So um, this is a good start. I mean, recognizing that it's happening, recognizing that it's a hate crime, because that's an aggravated charge. If you do get charged with it, you get in a lot more trouble, which is good. But um, I'd, I'd ideally like these to not happen in the first place. But Yeah, it's interesting because um, there is an event on campus, um, just like a speaking event about, you know, hate against, you know, Asian Americans. And there was, um, there was a woman from Florida State University, her name, I believe, was Dr. Campos. And she was talking about how, you know, in terms of like, rec like recognition for the racism against Asians, uh, it comes in waves. And like, sometimes, you know, there are moments where everyone's really aware of it, and everyone you know, really cares. And then that kind of dips 
which is really unfortunate. So I'm really glad that this this bill passed and I hope that we can kind of keep up the momentum because you're right, most of what I've seen, it's you know someone of Asian descent walking down the street and out of nowhere, someone comes up and attacks them, which is so scary. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully this makes some progress and hopefully, you know, people keep paying attention to this problem. So I follow this account called Next Shark on Instagram and they post about all these attacks that have been happening on the Asian community. It's basically on her um, journalistic Asian American account. And I've been following them for about a year now. And I saw, I thought this was like very sunny. There was a man, he was walking his, uh, he was walking like his, um, little son his little daughter in like a cart in a stroller actually and this was in california of course and he's just like walking with the stroller and then all of a sudden this man just comes out of nowhere starts punching him to the ground and then basically the stroller just like rolls away and he gets up and he goes after and everybody just starts like coming out like checking see like what happened and i just think it's insane that people will go to this degree to attack someone based on their ethnicity based on their nationality because one year ago it was just people being mean to them people just being like you know doing a bunch of like crazy stuff that I think it's completely inappropriate but now that it's escalated I think you know I'm very happy that they did that um Biden did do something about it and did introduce something because of course this isn't the end of it you know this is the start of it. it's the start of something that we can do Yeah, I agree with that. It, it could be the start of something potentially. Like I said, you got to get the people that are doing this in trouble and, and designating it a hate crime and recognizing hate crimes when they happen is a part of that because it's, it's an, like I said, it's an aggravating, aggravated charge. You get in a lot more trouble if the crime you commit was determined to be because you hated, you know, the person you did it, it was a hate crime. So um, we'll see what happens with it. I, I hope that as coronavirus recedes that these attacks stop because it sort of seems like this came out when COVID-19 happened. Um, and hopefully that th this stuff just dies down as COVID-19 dies down, because like you guys said, it seems to be most of the time just like lone wolf people that are just attacking someone on the street or, or you know, running after them, calling them names. So it's, I don't know what exactly you could do about that. You know what I mean? Other than and catch catch them and get them in trouble, use them as an example, you know what I mean? So this past week, a young female journalist named Emily Wilder, who used to work at the Associated Press, was fired. According to the Stanford Daily, the Stanford College Republicans publicly condemned the former Stanford journalist of her prior involvement in the campus activist group Stanford Students for Justice in Palestine. The journalist's dismissal has drawn criticisms, especially on Twitter, for how the AP responded to the situation and the SCR's willingness to damage the reputation and livelihoods of fellow students and alumni. According to the young journalist, the AP told her that they had conducted a thorough review of her social media, but did not offer any evidence as to what posts led to her termination. Uh, th this made me pretty mad, honestly. Uh, I, I really don't agree with a lot of like old editors and stuff that journalists are just like robots that don't have beliefs and are not people you know what i mean you're a person first before you're a journalist but it's also just kind of weird to dig back into what someone did in college years ago to then 
get them and get them fired. And um, I also think that it's it's weird that a Republican group would do this because aren't they the ones always crying about cancel culture <laughs> and about not being able to express their views? So um, this is troubling in a, in a lot of ways, I think. Um, like I said, I, I think you see at um, a lot of outlets, you see that reporters are allowed to express themselves more freely as being people and not just reporters, not just journalists. But um, then you see at some of these other places with different editors and stuff, they expect the journalists to be extremely um, neutral and things like that. And, and um, I don't find that to be realistic, really. You know, we're all people, we're, we're, we're people first. Um, and I just think it's, it's kind of weird. I, I think that, you know, the AP, they should have probably had this girl's back and said, you know, we hired her, we know she's, you know, we know she's not biased, you know, we, we, we stand by her reporting and stuff like that. And, and the other thing that's troubling is they never told her why they fired her. They said she was in violation of their social media policy. And I think she begged them. She said, well, what did I do? Can I know what I did? And they declined to tell her what exactly she did, which is just super slimy. You know what I mean? And um, I, I don't know if this is going to give young people pause to work for the AP or not. The AP is a great job. You get to travel. You get to do a lot of things. You know what I mean? You get to cover pretty much anything. The AP has its fingers on everything. But I think it's really disappointing from them for them to do this. Um, I wouldn't expect this from an organization like them. I just think it's really disappointing. And um, you know, if you're a young journalist, keep your, you know, keep your ears out, your eyes out, because I, I certainly probably wouldn't want to work for a company that would do this. You know what I mean? That that's gonna dig into what I did in high school or or a club I was in. You know what I mean? You don't even know how active she was in that group or or if her her views are changed or anything. You're you're firing her for something she did in college that's like it's, kind of irrelevant she was in a club it's not like she murdered someone you know what I mean so I, I don't know man it, this is pretty stupid in my opinion so it's interesting and I'm going to preface this what I'm about to say with I, I don't think she deserved to get fired um but my my boyfriend did bring up an interesting point that you know the AP is seen as the golden standard with unbiased journalism and with a lot of mistrust in the media today, um, just in terms of you know people not trusting the biases and how that can impact honest reporting, um, to me it's actually not surprising that the AP wanted to, you know, maintain their standard and ended up firing her. Um, it's not particularly surprising, and I think she should have a job as a journalist, and I think that she deserves to be extremely successful. But I'm I'm just also not surprised that the AP. Uh, went this route um, because they they do need to maintain their this level of unbiased that they've kind of curated amongst the public and the trust that they've curated because I know it's messed up that they never told her and um, I think one of the posts that I did see circulating was she you know was part of this club and advocating for this club and then also insulted um, insulted a public official from Israel called like uh, referred to them as like a naked mole rat and stuff like that. Um, that being said, these are like college posts. I don't think that they should have an impact on your career. I don't think your extracurriculars in college and high school should have an impact on your career. Um, and you're right. Like this is a big debate in, in the field of journalism. Like where does, you know, our you know, where does our, our career begin and us as people end, like, so to speak? I don't know if that's the right thing to say it, but, you know, we are people and we can 
we're not going to live our entire lives like we don't have opinions on anything we're not going to live our entire lives like these like neutral figures um especially because most people don't even know that they want to go into journalism until later on um but that being said even even if you do want to be a journalist like you should still be able to have an opinion i know there are people in the field who think that even voting in a in an election is too much bias and they don't even go to do that and so i think i think there definitely is an ex a kind of extremism in terms of this non-biased you know thing that we're supposed to kind of live up to um personally i don't see myself doing that i i believe that some things are right some things are wrong and I want to vote and I want to make the world a better place. And I don't think that you can do that by being completely neutral. Um, so it, it's interesting. And I know she put out a statement and I saw in her statement on Twitter that I believe she said that they told her initially that they would have her back. The AP told her that they would have her back. And then days later they fired her, which is incredibly messed up. Yeah, I, I really feel for her. I hope that she is able to find another job after this and continues to excel in her career because that, I, I can't imagine how upsetting that would be. Yeah, like uh, you also brought up, because I remember saying that the, um, I heard in like somewhere in her post that she said she had talked to them about like, hey, is this gonna like uh, cause to be a problem? And they said like, no, we would have her back. And for now, for them to kind of go against her back and be like, oh no, we don't have your back anymore. I think that's kind of messed up, number one. So besides that, I just think, you know, like I understand they want to be, they're seen as like the golden standards of journalism and stuff like that. But the fact that they were pounded to a specific side without kind of asking her, like, what is this about? Like, I think if a news organization sees something and sees something kind of like problematic, I think the first thing they should do is kind of go to the actual person first and kind of talk to them and have a discussion with them and see, you know, what can we do? Because this girl is like, she's still young. She still has a whole journalism career out here. And I saw somewhere um, online that it was kind of like, instead of like firing her, they could have used this as like a learning opportunity for her and been like, hey, you know, like we saw that you did this in here in college, like just be like da 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 da. Um, but besides that point, the fact that we, that there's a standards that we're not supposed to have an opinion or we can't have extracurriculars. Like I feel like in my opinion, I feel like somebody who has an extracurricular or does something outside of journalism is more prepared than someone who doesn't do anything outside of journalism. Because like for me, I'm a dancer. I still dance as a student journalist and dance taught me the professionalism, the timeliness, the importance of being professional in a professional environment. And I wouldn't have learned that if I wasn't in dance. So like, I feel like there needs to be a change in how news organizations see like extra characters. And instead of being like, oh, okay, you know, like, you know, you gotta quit this or like, this is like something like that's gonna interfere. See kind of as like, okay, what, what did this extracurricular help a journalist or how is this extracurricular helping this journalist because sometimes the journalist would have never learned a specific skill if it wasn't for that extracurricular i was gonna say too um that's a good point about uh the ap being like um 
like the gold standard, like you said, Jillian, as far as like, they really do just put out like unopinionated, really just um, here's what happened. Here's a lot of AP articles don't even have the author's name on it, just it's from the Associated Press. So I, I didn't think of that. It, so this kind of doesn't surprise me knowing that now with like thinking of it in that way. But um, I, I do overall agree with with Natalia and 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 um, and with what I said earlier though that like you know we're we're not robots we we have opinions you know a lot of us vote um, you know a lot of us were in clubs when we were younger and stuff like that and I think that that putting your job in danger when you're an adult is just kind of silly and I just know that me as a news consumer I'm a I'm more of a fan of when the writer is a, like a little bit opinionated and lets me know, you know, certain things about a certain story. Um, I don't want my journalists to be robots, you know what I mean? Um, I, I uh, but I know that that depends on which news organization you work for and stuff like that. And that she, you know, may have been in violation of the AP's guidelines, I guess, for this. But um, I, I don't think this is gonna be the end of her career or anything like that. She'll be, she'll be all right. There'll be someone else that are higher her probably that, has different newsroom standards. You know, we all learned in our news classes that uh, there's no strict code of conduct for being a journalist. It's always set by the organization. So I hope that uh, Miss Wilder lands on her feet real soon, probably maybe with a better job, maybe with a cooler job uh, where they won't worry about something that seems kind of insignificant probably to most people, so. And I think this also, this brought up an interesting topic, um, just on like my Twitter timeline, seeing people talk about it as well, is like how these journalistic standards are applied differently to women and minorities as opposed to men. And I think a really great example that is super recent is how it like just came out that Chris Cuomo from CNN um, sat in with calls uh, with his brother, Governor Cuomo of New York, uh, basically trying to help him out and give him a, advice about how to curtail sexual assault allegations, which is completely inappropriate. CNN interviews this guy. Um, <laughs> and their job is to be a watchdog on the government. And now one of their top journalists of the organization is sitting in a private phone calls, giving the guy advice on how to get away with sexual assault allegations. I mean, and CNN said their quote, their statement was, it was inappropriate, but they're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> that was that was their statement on it. And I mean, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. That is what is where's the journalistic integrity there? Well, yeah, that's way worse than what this this girl did and also cnn uh didn't do anything about rick santorum uh, a couple weeks ago saying something about how there was nothing here before white settlers got here he basically debased all of native american culture and, and said that it didn't exist and that there was quote nothing here before white settlers and they didn't do nothing about that either so i'm disappointed in cnn for a couple reasons for that and i know we're talking about a different news organization here so we can't really equate it to the ap but uh, I agree with you guys on that. I like CNN, I watch CNN, but like that's incredibly disappointing for them to not reprimand Cuomo for this. I, I, actually, I actually think that's a fireable offense. I'm gonna be honest, as a journalist. I agree, to be honest. I don't give a damn how much they like Chris Cuomo. That's such a conflict of interest and calls his objectivity into question. And it's so gross because it's, it's regarding sexual assault. It's not regarding like petty theft or something like that. This is regarding something that you commit sexual assault on someone, you're taking something from them, even if that they can, you're ruining them pretty much. You know what I mean? They're never gonna get over that probably. It, it's just 
so disappointing. I, I guess I know they're not the AP and they, you know, they all have their own codes, but it's, it just shows like there's levels to this. Someone gets fired for being in a club, but then CNN stands by Cuomo. It's just kind of priorities are out of whack, I think, with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, kind of to end on this topic here, Jillian brought up a good point about how women, how we as women, we're seeing completely different in the journalism field, or not, not just even journalism, in any type of field, we're seeing as like in others, like people's see us like okay we have to be perfect we can't be opinionated we can't do anything wrong blah 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 blah. and then you know men are kind of like okay men can do anything they won't get fired so what's that so it's kind of like it kind of just shows the double standard that there is with women and men in any type of field yeah i I agree with that um i don't i don't Maybe I'm cynical, but I don't think this journalist would have been fired if they were a man. Uh, I, I don't. I just don't. Um, I agree with that, that there's a double standard, uh, not just in journalism, but in every workplace where um, women are scared to be themselves or let their opinions known or, or something like that. Um, and and I, I think that <laughs> were this journalist a man, they, they may have gotten a slap on the wrist. And I, I hate that I feel that way, but that's reality. Um, and there's no, I mean, I, that's just the way I feel. I'm not going to say that that's 100% how it would have went, but like we see all, I mean, we're seeing it with Cuomo all the time. You know what I mean? He's on CNN, he's in prime time and, and he does something way, way worse in pretty much probably any journalist's opinion and uh, slap on the wrist, we stand by Cuomo. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I, I have to agree with that, so. Our last topic today is about the uh, ceasefire in the um, Palestinian-Israeli conflict over in Gaza. So uh, on, I think it was Friday morning, uh, an Egyptian government ceasefire was brokered between Israel and Gaza, and it ended 11 days of fighting that killed more than 240 Palestinians, most of them civilians, a lot of them children. Uh, Despite the end of the fighting for now, both Hamas and the Israel Defense Force warned that they would go back on the offensive if either side felt betrayed. The exact terms of this ceasefire are still not available, but Hamas claims it has been assured that Israeli forces would not enter their holy Al-Aqsa Mosque and that the planned evictions of Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood would not happen. Israel Defense Minister Benny Gantz called those claims, quote, completely false and said that the IDF remained, quote, prepared to protect Israeli civilians and our security forces and the IDF are on the ground across the different fronts positioned for offense and defense. The reality on the ground will determine how we move forward, end quote. Hamas's military wing, the Al-Qassam Brigades, warned that it still had the capacity to fire rockets at Israel. The last major conflict between Israel and Gaza in 2014 had nine truce agreements fall apart before fighting eventually stopped. CBS News correspondent Holly Williams explained it simply. This is a conflict between two groups of people who still fervently believe that the same piece of land is their country, but one group is much more powerful militarily and only that group currently has a country to call its own. So I think that this, I wouldn't be surprised if this ceasefire broke, uh, maybe even before this airs in a couple of days, we record on a Sunday. Uh, it's, it's stayed uh, calm, I guess you could say for three days, but um, with the precedent of the conflicts that they've had over there, I wouldn't be surprised if this didn't hold and if there was more fighting as terrible as that is um, in the next couple of days or whatever. And you already see it in the little bit that we info that we have that there's a conflict of what is the truce agreement, you know what I mean? You have um, 
Hamas saying that they said that the evictions will stop and that they'll leave Al-Aqsa Mosque alone. But then you have Benny Gantz, uh, the Israel defense minister, saying to the contrary, like, no, that's not true. And we're ready to go at any moment if we need to. So um, I don't know what you guys think about this, how close you've been following it. I um, I have been busy for a little bit. I didn't really start digging into this till yesterday. And then I looked some more this morning. So um, I mean, there's a chance this will be outdated by the time this goes up. But I think it's there. The peace over there is tenuous at best for right now. Israeli police attacked the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque after the ceasefire. And I think I meant to write that in there. Um, was it like it was protesters versus the Israeli police or something? Um, right? As far so the the Israeli police say that there was a protest. I read that they were in there just praying. They were in the yeah. Al-Aqsa Mosque praying. And that's when the Israeli police came and attacked them with rubber bullets and stun guns and other things. So the official statement is that there were protests. I read otherwise, uh, and I have just not seen anything that can prove one way or the other. Yeah, I saw um, that I should, I meant to put that in the script too, but I saw that um, that there were still um, conflict on the ground right now, as far as that, like with uh, Israeli police and Palestinian people. Uh, so already it seems like the terms of this treaty, like I said, are like tenuous because uh, that's what journalists on the ground are saying and stuff too. But there's really not a ton of info yet, which kind of surprises me because I guess um, the blockade for international journalists or whatever just got lifted a couple days ago. So um, we'll, we'll probably learn more soon. But I, um, I did read that though, that there were skirmishes between the police and Palestinian people, and that that's why I said I feel like it's tenuous at best that they're gonna that this ceasefire is gonna hold, and especially knowing that in the last conflict they had nine ceasefires that were broken. So, so I actually also heard about that about the ceasefire. Like I thought, okay, how long is this gonna last? Because I I don't I forgot where I saw it, but I saw kind of like how one side you know, kind of, they both want to try to come to an agreement, but both agreements don't really work out with what each side wants. So I think that's kind of like, uh, you know, that's something we gotta, you know, we gotta keep being updated on that. and like, what happens with that? But, you know, I think it's just saddening that, you know, there's a lot of kids being killed because of this. I saw a video on Twitter of this girl and she was like asking, she's like, why is this happening? why are they attacking my country why are they attacking my community you know i used to live like right over there and now it's like in shambles so i think it's just also really saddening that this is happening and you know we can't really it's even hard for us to do something you know besides like boycotting like brands that like support it's kind of even hard for us to like do something like kind of like huge because you know, the United States is kind of still supporting Israel. And I know that's like one of the hugest things that people are complaining about right now is that um, U.S. is still backing this. Yeah, um, you know, uh, the U.S. funds a lot of uh, Israel's defense, you know, uh, with weapons and things like that. I think that Israel's uh, Iron Dome that intercepts missiles, that was helped, the U.S. helped build yep. that. So um, there's a... Uh, 
as far away as we might feel from this conflict, there is a reason to care as an American too, because it's it's your tax dollars and it's it's our military budget going to this conflict, and it's pretty troubles troublesome when you see missiles hitting you know uh, neighborhoods and and you see children dead on the news and you see that. We, we talked about this last week. This is not a fair fight. It's not a commensurate fight. To, to call it kind of a conflict is even kind of a farce because one side is so militarily superior and the other side really isn't, you know what I mean? And you see that in the casualties and stuff like that. We talked about that. So um, I, I, don't, I don't know what happens here. I really don't. I, don't. I don't claim to be an expert. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't really follow this in 2014 when it happened. I don't expect this ceasefire to last and be the, the be all end all because we're already seeing these contradictory statements and skirmishes with police and stuff like this. And um, I, I, I do think that we'll probably see some more dust ups with this in the next couple of weeks. We might, like I said, we might even see it before this gets aired. This whole thing might be outdated when we air this, but uh, I'm just tired of seeing you know, neighborhoods getting blasted by missiles and kids dead every time I turn on Twitter, you know what I mean? So um, I hope everything just goes back to peacefulness. And I hope that, you know, hopefully some kind of solution can be uh, drawn up to this problem. I know that sounds incredibly simplistic and super idealistic, but um, I just don't want to see no, no more people get hurt, you know what I'm saying? So um, we'll see, we'll have to see what happens. We'll follow it along with it for sure. So we have reached the end of another episode of You Press Play News. Tune in next week for more news and more conversations. Mm-hmm.